today on CityCast Denver. There's been a lot of talk nationwide lately about ShotSpotter, the surveillance technology that alerts police to the sound of gunfire, and a lot of questions about the tech's reliability and accuracy. Turns out Denver is one of more than 100 cities around the country that has a contract with the surveillance company. We've actually been paying for use of ShotSpotter's technology for the last six years. So why is the city spending millions in taxpayer money on this tech that has a questionable track record? Today is Tuesday, September 7th, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Elena Alvarez, Axios Denver reporter. Welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So we're going to talk about ShotSpotter. Um, Can you explain what ShotSpotter is? Yeah, sure. So a really high level explanation of it is that ShotSpotter is a network of sensors installed on telephone poles or streetlights that can detect gunshots and then alert police officers. Okay. And so I think that kind of gets to the issue at hand here, though, right, is that it's not necessarily picking up gunshots. So it's not as reliable as it sort of was marketed. Can you talk a little bit about what that that means for ShotSpotter? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, this was really highlighted uh, recently in a new Associated Press investigation, which calls out serious flaws in using ShotSpotter for that exact reason you just mentioned, Brie. Um, the reason is that ShotSpotter, it's technology, it's not a real human. So it can't really differentiate, you know, a pop of a firework or a pop of a car backfiring versus the pop of a gun of a gunshot. Um, and so there's a lot of false alarms that happen that send uh, officers to a location, aka use up resources um, for things that you know, do not require police response. Um, there are some other problems with ShotSpotter as well, uh, including the fact that, you know, some judges have thrown out ShotSpotter evidence um, and those who haven't have often put people in jail mistakenly. Um, this is because, number one, the data that ShotSpotter picks up can be unreliable for the reason we just talked about. Two, um, a lot of this technology is installed in crime hotspots, which are often disproportionately Black and Latino communities, which means that these false alarms can often falsely uh, incriminate somebody who is a person of color just because that's where they live. Sure. And um, I live in one of those so-called crime hotspots in Denver where this tech is likely placed. I know that they don't reveal exactly where it is. And we do have high instances of gun violence, um, but we also have fireworks. Like we have a fireworks season, like May to September, it's fireworks. It's not just 4th of July. Also, the car backfiring thing is really interesting because I live off of Federal Boulevard, which is where a lot of people are racing and cruising. And so it's there's a ton of backfire um, from cars. So I guess I have a hard time understanding how this um, technology is really solving the problem. What did you learn from the data um, about ShotSpotter that DPD has provided? So when you look at data from 2015 through uh, November 19th, 2020, that's the latest data that they have, you can really see major discrepancies between the, um, the numbers of shot spotter alerts that are going out, which are increasing yearly. However, the arrests 
um, basically the meaningful uh, consequences of shot spotter alerts aren't increasing much. Um, there is still just a, a very minuscule, a very tiny fraction of um, the alerts that are leading to arrests. And as we both know, gun violence here is soaring. Uh, Chief yeah. Paul Pazin um, in July had held a press conference to inform the community that homicides are up 50% over the three-year average and uh, gun violence has been up, I mean, even in 2020 uh, to historic new highs. Um, so <laughs> the, the, I guess the um, impact that ShotSpotter is having as far as arrests go and decreasing gun violence is still out. And that's interesting because there seems to be a gap there in the data, like you're saying. So hypothetically, if this technology is considered helpful for DPD, wouldn't the majority of alerts result in arrests, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. And researchers tend to say, I mean, ShotSpotter can be a powerful tool to help prosecutors and police keep communities safe, but it takes, again, it's just one tool. And as we can tell sure. right now, this one tool is not making a big difference here. The, the, the positives of the tool is that it can help um, speed police response to gunfire. It can help police locate gunshot victims and physical evidence um, and provide them with more accurate information that they can then pass on to investigators, such as like timestamps of actual gunshots or how many gunshots were fired. Um, and research also shows that ShotSpotter can decrease pre-hospital time for patients who have been shot and need um, emergency uh, attention. So there are some benefits, of course, but I think the, the common consensus with academics, advocates, is really it cannot be used, it cannot be relied on as um, heavily as it is across police departments around the country. Yeah, and it's interesting because I I know from hearing from my community directly in the wake of gun violence, especially the last couple summers have been pretty bad. Um, the community has told police that to solve the problem of gun violence, it's that Honestly, young people more need more things to do, more places to hang out. They need children to feel more safe, but that doesn't necessarily, that's especially not in my neighborhood, is not reflected in a higher police presence. And so is ShotSpotter creating more unnecessary interactions in black and brown communities between the community and police? That's a really great question. Um, and one I would love to hear uh, Chief Paul Pazin's answer to. I'm not quite sure I can answer it. Um, what I can say is that, you know, this contract is is pretty expensive. Um, it costs yeah. almost a million dollars a year, and that's a bill that's uh, affronted by taxpayers. Um, and so, you know, I think I think it it we're already seeing this play out in a couple of other cities right now, including Chicago and Oakland, where community organizers are stepping up and starting to sound the alarm as these cities both approach uh, budget season. Um, and again, Chicago's their police watchdog actually just released their its own independent investigation about shot spotters specifically, highlighting the problems with it. It was a, a very scathing report. And so we're, we're seeing community members rise up against this in certain cities where, you know, um, 
more research has been done on the ground. We'll see if, if Denver uh, residents decide to step up here too. But again, that number is um, $835,438 a year, according to DPD, to fund that contract. And so taxpayers are paying that. And in total, I believe it's close to $6 million we've paid for ShotSpotter since it was instituted in 2015. Correct. Which is wild because I just we just started hearing about it. I had no idea. I mean, I'd heard like there's these alerts that are like, just so you know, we're going to be testing this thing. And everybody's like, what do you mean you're testing a thing that sounds like gunshots? So it almost feels like something a lot of folks are not aware of. But it's a big it's a big deal to 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 taxpayers. And do you know, because we're the city's going to be looking at its budgeting for the next year coming up here soon. um, Do you know if they're reconsidering their contract with ShotSpotter? That's a great question. You know, I've reached out to uh, almost the entire Denver City Council to get their opinions on uh, ShotSpotter right now. And really the only person that I've heard from is uh, Councilman Paul Cashman, who's a key player because he leads Denver City Council's safety committee. He's the chair. Um, And he told me he's having discussions right now with the district attorney and with the Denver Police Department. And where he stands now is that he thinks the benefits of ShotSpotter outweigh the potential negatives. Um, He thinks that it's a technology worth improving upon rather than abandoning. So he does acknowledge some flaws, but he thinks that, you know, he supports continuing this contract. Um, So as the, you know, the head of the, the council safety committee, I think that's pretty telling, but we'll we'll see. We definitely know we have some vocal supporters of defunding the police on council, including, you know, Councilwoman Candy Cedabaca. But like you said, Mayor Michael Hancock, um, he's he's going to present his proposed 2022 spending plan to the Denver City Council by September 16th. So this will be coming up very soon. Okay, we'll have to do a follow up because that's really interesting to me. I understand why Cashman is involved because of his position on the safety committee, but I'm not thinking about his district as being one that probably has those high incidences where there may be more interactions with police. Did you hear from DPD while you were looking into this? Did you did you were you able to talk to them directly about ShotSpotter? I know they're kind of vague about where it is and, and how it's utilized, but... Yes, and I, I I don't know exactly where ShotSpotter is in Denver. I know um, they had a press conference, I think, a, a year ago or a couple years ago uh, about installing it near Coors Field. So that is one location that it definitely is. Um, what I did talk to them about was just why they, where they stand on it, knowing um, the new research that has come out, and they continue to to tout the technology. They say that it is helping them um, to come to a scene faster um, and to do their jobs better. They think it's a valuable tool. That was a quote. Well, interesting. It'll be interesting too to look at, like you're saying. Um, we actually have a uh, a sister podcast in Chicago that did some reporting on ShotSpotter as well. And so I'd be curious to check into that and just see that might be our best gauge at this point is how other cities are what they're uncovering as well. Is there are did you have any lingering questions in doing this reporting that you didn't get answered or or things that you're still wondering about the technology and DPD's use of it? I think I mean this was really this was really a very high level report and I have a lot of questions and this is a story that I want to keep sort of chipping away at. Um, Number one, figuring out exactly where these sensors are located. I think that would be fantastic to map out. Um, Secondly, just uh, following, you know, the discussions around 
funding it. Um, I think that that's, I have a lot of questions out for council members who have not (laughs) responded to me. So that is a big question. Um, And again, just looking more into some of this data that I got from DPD, uh, again, the the chart that was in my reporting um, was just a high level look, but there's a lot of different ways to kind of look at this data um, and tease it out. And so I think you know, just stay tuned because this is certainly not the last story that I will write about this technology. And um, I'm also curious, like you said, uh, how other cities are going to react now. I mean, there's this technology is installed across over 100 cities in the U.S. Um, so so the implications of the findings, the new research uh, are pretty big. Yeah, and that's a way bigger data set if we're able eventually to look at 100 cities usage of this. Absolutely. Well, Alina, thank you so much. Thank you, Brie. I really appreciate talking to you and for having me on the show. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. As we reported last week, the STAR program, which sends mental health professionals and paramedics to respond to some 911 calls instead of police, is expanding in Denver. Now, a similar program will be launching in Aurora, too. Denverite reports that the Aurora Mobile Response Team is a pilot program funded for six months and employs a staff of two who will address mental health calls similar to STAR. Oh, and a correction. Last Thursday, our sports guy Jake Shapiro misspoke when he said the Broncos lost the Super Bowl a few years ago. It was Super Bowl 50 against the Carolina Panthers, and the Broncos definitely won. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, tell someone in front of you in line at the grocery store about us. Please give us a rating on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our morning newsletter, which you can sign up for at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Later. My voice just like gives out on Denver every time. It's like how I say it.